Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 160. Excitement, excitement, excitement. <laughs> my name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listeners. And to my... Re- more than one? I, I discovered my friend Bert listens. Ah! So that's at least two. Hi, Bert. <laughs> and to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Did I mention that I was excited? Yes. Jane Badler, who people might know as Kim from Fantasy Island. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> in that bikini. In that bikini. In that bikini. Or Diana from V. Yes, the rodent eating Diana from V will be here in the studio with us to talk about her amazing career in American and Australian television. Finally, some proper guests. Take that, Scott Brennan. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Ooh, I'm in New York. Yeah, well, I've got to New York and I was once in Blue Heels as well. She was in Blue Heels and V. Were you in V, Scott Brennan? I don't think you were. She was born in New York. <laughs> what? What? Now, now you're a Scott Brennan apologist. Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no we're saying, I'm, we're I'm just bad, the rubbing into oh, Scott Brennan. Oh, right. You right. can go to New York, Scott Brennan, but yeah, she, was she was born, born there. there. She yeah. was born in Great Neck, New York, actually, I just read, which is weird. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very exciting. So uh, that, that's coming up later on in the show. We're also going to talk about the uh, US cable show Sons of Anarchy, which started uh, this year, this fall season. We, we haven't done... A coverage of the fall season this year like we did last year. No, and that's, there's been a bit of a sci-fi virus in our reviews, I think, this year. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, but and who are you I, looking I, at? I can't who are you looking why at? that is. <laughs> but, the, uh, but also, I think it's, it's because so many of the shows were just unwatchable uh, that, uh, you know, we've, we've really picked out the ones that, that seemed like standout shows rather than covering every single show that was made. Uh, so we're going to talk about Sons of Anarchy, which is a, a cable show. Uh, we've got some letters to box cutters. We've got some pork. No quiz this week because we had a guest. You know the rules. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. The AFI Awards happened at the weekend. They did. Stephen uh, Curry hosted. Underbelly won everything. They won everything. No, no, best, no, no, no. Best film, best bread. They won everything. <laughs> uh, and Chris Lilly. And Chris Lilly won everything else, except for best script for a, a television show, which was won by The Hollow Men. Yes, I'm questioning that, AFI Awards. Because <laughs> I watched The Hollow Men... And I saw no script. I quite, no, there I were, there quite was, liked the there was script. I think you're being unfair. I There's, think there is a difference between having the script and, and seeing the execution of the script. Uh, that's true. That's true. And, and it, is, uh, it is judged on screenplay. Uh, but yes, yeah, Summer Heights High won for Best Television Comedy. Chris Lilly won for Best Performance in a Television Comedy. And uh, Underbelly... And also took out the Peebo Bryson Lifetime Achievement thing or whatever they call it, didn't they? Uh, the Byron Kennedy. The Byron Kennedy. Byron Kennedy. Yes. And Wallace and Gromit opened a bread shop. Yes. It's interesting how, yeah, how many people basically their AFI experience was AFI, switch Wallace and Gromit, switch AFI. So there's a whole chunk in the middle of awards we could just make up, but no one would ever know. 
Uh, and uh, as far as uh, Underbelly goes, they won uh, all four best actor actress kind of uh, awards, supporting and and regular. No, I assume that was the non-Victorian version of Underbelly that took those out. Uh, it doesn't say. It doesn't say, but I'm guessing so. Uh, uh, Kat Stewart, Guyton Grantley, uh, Damien Walsh Howling, and Madeline West. Are you all implying won. that they didn't act as well in the Victorian version? No, there there was, was less of it. <laughs> yes, clearly. They, they were probably still good. They probably didn't need worse performances for the Victorian <laughs> yeah, production of it. And uh, Captain Cardboard won, uh, won Best Lead Actor for a, a film. But that's, uh, that's beside the point. So, William McInnes. The, um, <laughs> harsh. But yes, harsh, man. Harsh, Underbelly. Man. underbelly it's really all internal clean sweep. You can see it on his face. No, no, you, you can't. You can. You can't. That's why people love him. No, it's, it's, you know what? He's like... Uh, he's like a, a Cabbage Patch doll or uh, or Hello Kitty, where people kind of put their own emotions onto his face. He's a Sam Neill for the 90s. What, what else? I don't even know what it means. I just wanted to say it. I love it. I love it. That's yeah, my I'm new catchphrase. I'm going to get that on a T-shirt. John, what have you got for us? Oh, i got a bunch of stuff. I was trying to think what to go best with, with the AFI Award. So, obviously, I'm going to tell you about the Screen Actors Guild. Let's go there. The, in the US. In the US. The Screen Actors Guild um, is asking its members to authorise a strike. Uh, they've been spending months and months in negotiations with uh, the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. Um, trying to agree on how actors will be paid when movies and TV shows are distributed through new media which is mobile phones, the internet, and I believe direct brain transfer. <laughs> this is jacking. They call that jacking. Do they? The, Do they? Uh, yeah, that's what the kids are calling it. <laughs> this is uh, essentially a replay, or, or they're trying to do a replay of what the Writers Guild did last year with the strike. That's yep, uh, Mike Glass agreeing. The, uh, uh, the, the big difference here, of course, and we've spoken about this on the show before, is that there are two... Actors associations in the US. There's the Screen Actors Guild and there's AFTRA, the uh, American Film, Television and Radio Alliance. And am I right in thinking AFTRA has already made an agreement? AFTRA made an agreement about seven or eight months ago mm-hmm. and uh, really stuck it up SAG. Uh, I, I think they may have even given them the finger. The, that's, that's harsh. Yeah. The, uh, I was just saying, I've got a statement because the problem too with, with is, is coming now, you know, going for a strike, you know, when the American economy is going into meltdown probably won't get you the most sympathy mm. since people don't really you know have that much love for actors in the best place um it, there's a quote here from the producers group let's review the facts sag is the only major hollywood guild that has failed to negotiate a labor deal in 2008 now sag is bizarrely asking its members to bail out the failed negotiating strategy with a strike vote at a time of historic economic crisis the tone deafness of sag is stunning so don't hire saying actors for musicals. The, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the ballots are going out in uh, kind of a, across the Christmas period. Uh, I think they're looking at 120,000. <laughs> like a Christmas gift, isn't it? It is. It yes. is. Here, please vote to strike. The, uh, uh, and the thing, the thing is, television are just turning to after uh, actors. That's, oh, okay. that's, that's what they're doing because... Uh, television really has both kinds of actors, and uh, AFTRA was traditionally uh, uh, soap operas, but also uh, like Oprah Winfrey and uh, non-acting roles were AFTRA members. Uh, Can you be a member of both 
Oh, yes, yes. There are, well, so Oprah Winfrey does movies mm-hmm. and uh, also has her own show. So she would uh, be a member of both, I'm guessing. Uh, would she? Being the producer of her own show? Uh, yeah, I, well, you know. David, so she, she might be a member of the Alliance of Motion Picture Intelligent Producers. She might be asking for strike action against herself. Mm. David Letterman's uh, in, in the Writers Guild, as is uh, Conan O'Brien. Uh, the... Uh, you know that's uh, that's pretty much the way it works. If you can be part of uh, of an association and uh, and you've got that opportunity, you do in in the states. And so there are a lot of a lot of actors who are members of both, and so they can still work. I'm guessing there there will be more coming up. But the uh, the fact is that television producers are turning to after actors to uh, to cast, especially now that they're working on pilots and uh, and looking at next year's television already. Uh, that's that's what they're doing, and SAG have really shot their members in the foot, from from what I can tell. Uh, but yeah, you know, good on them. Yeah, that's my news. Yeah, uh, we have no appetite for automotive jackass. Is a quote. Uh, Taken any any guesses? What does on, that uh, mean? Any, I don't know what that means. Sorry. Any guesses what that may pertain to? Read it again. We have no appetite for automatic automotive jackass. Uh, Maybe we just don't like eating one of jackass. Oh, Capital it's, J. It's that uh, it's that guy, that guy who got into the Guinness Book of Records for, for eating, eating a an car. enormous jackass. <laughs> <laughs> no. The Holden, the Holden jackass aroo. They were good. Yeah. They were good. Although bits did fall off. Well, That's into that quote. guy's mouth. <laughs> That's the quote from a spokesman for uh, a car company who. Uh, wasn't very impressed by the repair bill close to $200,000 for the first series of Australian Top Gear. Hmm. Uh, the damage uh, Hang on, bill. Presumably this is cars damaged through doing the time trials on the, on the, the show. Well, it was uh, some of the luxury cars that needed to have total resprays because of flying stones, I guess because of the... Uh, the Film car uh, driving too close in front of it, and uh, but aren't they aren't they basically advertising those cars? I mean, aren't they effectively giving them hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of? Well, you had the luxury cars, but also then the lesser brands, your Holdens, your Fords, uh, that were damaged from silly stunts, such as uh, the thirty thousand dollars of damage to the group of Holden Astras uh, used in a game of lawn bowls, the car <laughs> version thereof, which was basically them sitting at the top of a ramp, uh, turning the wheel and just letting it go and running into the other Astras <laughs> that had already gone down next to the jack. And that's fun. That that's a funny, fun. That sounds like a funny appeals. segment. It was, it, it was tedious. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the, like... Uh, so hang on, and then so they've you done. You know how this. when you do that at home, it always seems fun when you roll the cars down the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Apparently on television, it's not that interesting. But I mean, right. it was it was just a cheap imitation of the uh, the UK's version of soccer, which they do with the little micro cars over there. You're you know, a cheap imitation big, of the UK's version of soccer. soccer the, uh, <laughs> so they've they've done this to the cars and they've given them back. Yeah, well, they, they've had the cars on loan from the companies and uh, done their shooting, and then and had they had they. Uh, said to the companies, this is what we're going to be doing with your cars? Well, or did they just go, oh, can we just borrow 10 Astros? Just give them some cars. We just, we just need them. It stuff. seems not. It seems that the companies were expecting uh, to have to replace the bald tyres from slides and burnouts, but uh, nothing much beyond that. Right. Um, the, the worst damage was a Lamborghini, which sustained apparently about $25,000 worth of damage. Hmm. 
Mm. So this um, is just uh, this is just more fuel for how much you hate Australian top gear. <laughs> Spokesman from another car company said uh, when they revisit Series Two, they will encounter a lot of shut doors. So um, as as much as they took pains to not offend the companies with any uh, bad reviews of in the series next series, one, they'll, they'll drive cars into they, shut doors. Yes. <laughs> Speaking but of, they'll, they'll uh, have to put gaffer tape over the the badges afterwards. Yeah. Speaking of not, not trying to offend, so it's not <laughs> associated. Speaking of not trying to offend, thank God you're here. Mm. Has moved to Channel Seven. Channel Seven have bought the rights to a fourth season of Thank God You're Here, which will still include Shane Bourne and Tom Gleisner and uh, a, a cast and some of shut doors pretending and some shut doors which then open. Into a, a room full of uh, people pretending to make stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, uh, some wags have suggested that uh, we might see uh, all the previous contestants from uh, Star Dancers on there. I, w- <laughs> I would not be surprised. Yeah. The, uh, the, the cross promotion? Uh, the, uh, <laughs> thank God you're here. It's, I, this is the thing with Working Dog, that mm-hmm. they just... I mean, and, and good luck to them, but they, they go where the money is. Channel 10 have no money uh, and probably could have uh, made a little bit of money if, thank God you're here, had gone back to 10 for another season uh, because it was a, a huge money spinner for them. Uh, but no, now they've gone to, to 7, essentially just leaving Channel 10 to uh, drown in its own well, poverty. You're feeling apparently, sorry for Channel 10 now. You're going, I'm, oh, boo-hoo-hoo, Channel 10. I am feeling sorry for Channel 10. Because well, how, how are they going to buy new Simpsons episodes <laughs> if they don't have the money from Thank God You're Here? Apparently David Mott at Channel 10 is uh, a little hurt uh, because they have had an 11-year partnership through the panel. And uh, Thank God You're Here. And what else did they do? They did something else. Uh, oh, Russell Coit's All, uh, All Those Adventures, which yep. uh, I, for no good reason, find really funny. Nah. You, you know, some See, t- you put the boot in the hollow man and you're going, oh, but Russell Coit, oh, why don't we get more of that great humor? Russell, yeah. Russell Coit, is, it's one of those shows. That <laughs> Young people today. You watch it, you watch it on an airplane because they have, you know, kind of uh, mildly inoffensive stuff. And, and it's funny. On a tiny screen. On an aeroplane. On an aeroplane. It's really funny. So, I don't know why. Yeah. I just, what I drugs giggled. do you take to fly? <laughs> Obviously, it's only funny on aeroplanes, though, which is kind of a quite a niche, niche market. Well, it's a captured, captured audience. That's true. And uh, the reported uh, money value on, thank God you're here, for Channel 7 is a million dollars an episode. Ooh. Wow. Mm. Wow. David Leckie's really got a lot of money to burn. Mm-hmm. D- doesn't he realise there's almost a recession on? Speaking of million-dollar television... Not at Channel 7. John Stamos plans a Full House remake. There's nothing of that sentence I don't find hilarious. John Stamos plans Full House remake. Um, the cast of 90 sitcom Full House is planning to return to the small screen. Um, it, so, is this a reunion? Or? Well, Candace Cameron Burr... Yes. I'm sure we all remember Candace Cameron Burr for her the, fine, fine work. Fine she, work. DJ? I yes. have no idea. Well, when I, when I say yes, I don't remember <laughs> the names of any of the daughters... But she was one of them. She was one of them. Candace Cameron Burt says, uh, well, she told OK Magazine, <laughs> OK. Uh, John has been working on a semi-remake of Full House. It's a semi-remake, people. Ah. A semi-remake. I know it would involve me and Jodie Sweetin. We would revive our characters, but today as young women. Ah. And uh, it's, no it's, word as to whether Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen will be returning to play Michelle Elizabeth Tanner. Because um, remember, of course, the, they both played the one character. I think they should both come back and play that one character. Yeah, just that, shot by shot, they should just alternate between the two of them. That would be fantastic. Be and uh, 
Uh, it would also be great to see Bob Saget come back to uh, play his uh, re- reprise his role, but now as a young woman. Yes, I think they should all come back as young women. Mm-hmm. When I originally read that, because it actually just said Cameron Burr tells OK magazine, and I'd missed a bit about Candace Cameron Burr, so I was thinking a guy called Cameron Burr saying John and I working on it, we would revive our characters, but today is young women, and that kind of threw me for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I thought, well, interesting new take on Full House. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, no one wants to see that. <laughs> Actually, we should have a new thing, sure, a new segment called No One Wants to See That. No One Wants to See That. <laughs> Channel 9 have announced that uh, next year's Academy Awards are to screen in Australia live on Freedware, being the uh, Channel 9 network. That's, so that'll be uh, during the day. That is That is weird and exciting at the same time. I mean, the, the idea that I could... Go with go a whole day without having to do the media blackout mm-hmm. is fantastic. The idea that I would have to take a day off work in order to do it is uh, a, a little bit weird and frightening. It's hard to make an event too, isn't it? I mean, I'm not going to be able to sit around in my house in my dress and tiara, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon. I'd feel stupid. But it has been an event uh, previously where they've had screenings in cinemas. Yes, uh, yeah, in real time. Yes, but that's not with my mates. No. That's not in the cinema. That's not you know. That's that's not me and my mates talking about how crap it is and how we wish they'd get on with it. And <laughs> oh my god, how many songs are nominated for best? You know, the, the uh, I don't know. It's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Plus daylight, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but I I guess that means uh, that Channel and I won't be able to edit it as they. I think they edited it last oh, year. Oh yeah, like crazy. Yeah, they edited it like crazy, and it still ran over time. I don't know how they did that. <laughs> that's kind of odd, isn't it? Yeah, I really don't know how they did that. Uh, but that's that's exciting. Yeah, uh, work, I'm telling you now, that's, uh, I'm not coming in. Booking a sickie for that day. Yeah, I'm not, not coming in that Personal day. A couple of bits of, of little sci-fi news for you, which has already been mocked by Brett. <laughs> um, we've, we've mentioned before that... Hey, I enjoy it. I'm just <laughs> saying. We, we mentioned before that uh, there's a telly movie being made of uh, Caprica, which is a prequel to Battlestar Galactica. Paprika, one of the... Uh, Paprika, no. one of the fine spices. Yes. Um, Caprica, it, it's the planet... That- it's a pizza. Um, it's, there's also now, though, going to be a TV series as well um, of Caprica going off from there. Eric Stoltz is confirmed to be in the cast. Um, it'll be on air in 2010. And apparently, he was the, uh, the, the horribly deformed boy in Mask. So we'll all be looking forward to that. Um, it's meant to be... <laughs> here's a series that will attract people who don't watch Battlestar Galactica because it's set in the near future on a planet not unlike Earth, and I believe from what I've read, it's meant to be about the, the families, the founding families, the creation of the Cylons. I think it'll be like Dallas, actually, I suspect. Who's, who's not watching Battlestar Galactica? Well, yeah, maybe if there's too many spaceships in it, this one will just have robots. Oh. Um, and the other one is that the... This is my news from last week. So last week's news today. Um, Day of the Triffids is being remade by the BBC. Um, this is actually the fifth time the BBC has made Day of the Triffids. Um, and, and this time, are they not going to screw it up? The or? 1981 version's actually good. I don't know what you... Yeah, the, the, the series, the 1981 television yeah, yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. It's a very good adaptation, because I watched it again recently and then read the book, and it actually, it's, a, it's yeah, script-wise, yeah, filming it, it on, on, on your handy cam, maybe that's well, yeah, a mistake. But Yeah, know. it was it was really, really rough and and cheap. And, and the, thing, the you know, the great thing about the book, and it's one of the greatest books ever written, I mm-hmm. think. I, I love it so much. Uh, is that uh, there are there are so many things that you can't do with a small budget. 
how do you make a, a walking a, an animated plant. See, I, I like the 81 Triffids because I don't show them moving very often because I think, I, I actually suspect no matter what you do, a moving plant will always look stupid. So I think you have to kind of, you know, in a book, that'll work fine. Yeah. I think on screen you have to imply it. But yeah, 1951 publication, um, remade originally for radio in 53, 57 and 68. One production for TV for the BBC in 81 and a terrible, terrible movie in the 60s. Um, and this bit here though, which which alarms me very much, uh, it will be a modern gripping adaptation, uh. fast-paced, futuristic, and electrifying, which means it's going to look like Holby City, like every other science fiction thing they do uh. recently. It will just be a big glamour soap. No, the whole... With some killer plants in it. The whole, the whole amazing thing was that it was 1950s London, just gone to, to pieces. Yeah, it it'll be EastEnders now. Uh. Oh, well... Radio host and uh, comedy writer Richard Marsland was found dead on Saturday morning out in the Dandenongs. Police said the death was not suspicious. Uh, Richard wrote, was a regular writer for Rove Live and also worked on Sean McAuliffe's Newstopia on SBS. Um, lots of shock around town about that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I still can't get, get over it. I, uh, he was only 32? He was... It, if you speak to anyone... In show business, they will tell you Richard Marsland was the nicest person in show business, which is, you know, in some ways not a very hard thing to do, uh, but uh, in other ways just a, an extraordinary person and uh, and always smiling and always uh, always there and and also a really talented writer and uh, just knew when to come in with the joke and just an extraordinary talent and uh, it's it's a, a huge shock and I think. Uh, I know he'll definitely be uh, be uh, sorely missed, and our thoughts go out to his family and uh, and his loved ones. It was uh, a, a terrible shock at the weekend, and that is the box cutters news. Hi, this is the fabulous Adam Richard, and you are listening to the box cutters. <gasps> I love them; they're very exciting. And now here's my famous catchphrase. You ready? Say hi to your dad for me. Oh, maybe that's not mine. Ah, uh, Adam Richard. Hey, Brett. Yes. Do the thing, and then we'll. Uh, can you, yeah, you can do the thing straight Let's away? do the thing. Okay. So you're pleased with the progress here then? Yes, it's representative of all the other plants around the world. And shortly we'll begin our seminars for your scientists. Something else I'm pleased with too, Christy. It's you. Of all the journalists we've met, my people say they feel most comfortable with you. And so do I. <laughs> Thank you, Diana. We've done research that shows your people have a lot of confidence in you. You have. You're trusted, respected, and attractive. And that's how I think we should feel. That was the voice of Diana from V, and we are honoured to have in the studio Jane Badler, who, of course, amongst many other things, played Diana in V, V the series, V the return... V, the final battle. <laughs> hey, hey, it's V. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> she did all of them. V goes bananas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the crazy V oh, guys. Yeah. Hey, 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 it's I like that. That was good. V, the next generation. She's all of them. Oh, that was acting. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Jane. Thank you very much for uh, coming up to Box Cutters. Oh, no, it's fun. You guys are good. I like this. I, I love the horrified look on your face, too, when we just played that audio file. <laughs> and I think, oh, will I still sound good or will I be overacting? <laughs> but it was natural. It sounded very <laughs> natural. <laughs> yeah. How did you get the effect on your voice? That was very natural. I love that. Wasn't that good? Yeah, that was excellent. That took weeks to, you know, perfect. 
correct? Yes, yes yeah, it's yeah, very it was difficult. Lo- lots of uh, lots of ADR and yeah. layering and layering and layering. Mm, just yes, superb. Yes, superb. superb. Thank you. Thank you. Now, uh, of course, V, yes, we'll get to that. Yes, we we'll get, get to that. Lots of good V stories. I want to start with because you've also done a lot of work as special guest star, mm. uh, single episode mm. television. Uh, one episode of Hotel, which was uh, also oh, one of uh, <gasps> Betty Davis's last. Hotel, I forgot about that. Hotel. Hotel. Wait a second. <laughs> Who was in that? <laughs> I forget that one. Uh, I think it was. I think James Brolin was in that. Yes. And you played Angie Archer for one episode in 1985. Oh my god! Hotel. Gee, I forgot about that one. Yeah. That was well, a, uh, that was. D- a, do you remember Fantasy Island? Oh yes. Can you uh, now? That was quite an interesting one. Now, Fantasy Island as a. Mm. Oh, Tori Spelling was also in Hotel. Oh, okay. Turns out. Before she made it big. Yeah, before she made it big. Yeah, well, she would have been right. three or something, wouldn't she? Yeah, yes. she was quite young. And I, yes, I, I remember that one. Uh, but um, uh, as far as spelling productions go, Fantasy Island, uh, which really captured my imagination growing up, mm. uh, just extraordinary. What was it like to a, be there with Mr. Ork mm. and, uh, or, or Khan? As he's sometimes known, uh, and that wasn't the little midget. That was no, the tall. No, that yeah. was the t- tall yeah, one. Tall one yeah. L- little midget was tattoo. That's right. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and getting to live out your fantasy. What what was that like? As because well, you were also a, quite a young actor at that stage. Yeah, as well. that's right. I was. Yes, I was young, and um, I, that was my very first nighttime television guest star. So I was very excited, and I actually played like this fantasy of with four other women in a dungeon. We were stuck in this dungeon in bikinis the whole time. And I to this who's, day whose fantasy was that? I remember, Not I, yours, day, I, I remember the bikini I wore to this day. It was a normal Kamali purple like tie one around my waist. Oh. I still remember that bikini. And you know who else was in that dungeon? Was Miss uh, Playmate of the Month? The one. It was a terrible story. She was murdered. She was going out with Peter Bogdanovich, oh. Dorothy oh. Stratton, yeah. yes. and they did the Dorothy Stratton story. Mm-hmm. So she was also in the dungeon with me, and. Um, I just remember everywhere we went, all the kind of grips and all the crew were always constantly staring at her because she was about six feet and she had just done that big spread. So I sort of unfortunately disappeared in the woodwork a bit, <laughs> even though I was very cute. Do you remember any and of your dialogue? I'm always curious when actors can remember. You know, I cannot remember anything. We had like different intermittent lines in the dungeon. But then I remember at the end we were all together and I remember working with Tattoo and, and the big guy. And so you, you got to come off the plane? Yeah, we got, yes. Yes, we did. We That's got off the plane and it was it was it was fun. It was fun because it, it it seems like that. It seems yeah. like where was it shot? Because the, the I think exterior it was in a studio. Like, it was all in a studio. One of the studios. So the the whole but there were exterior shots as well of uh, people coming off the plane, obviously. And uh, I think that was a studio. So too. nowhere glamorous. You didn't oh, get to, no, it wasn't glamorous at all. No trip to Hawaii there for you. I mean, looking back, it was just hard work, really. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not like the pinnacle that I can remember of like huge soulful excitement. Do you know what I mean? Being your first nighttime primetime uh, appearance, did, what was the that experience like? Get, did you get all your friends around to your house to to watch it, or did you say don't watch it? I'm, it's, it's no, I think I, I I think I was a little embarrassed by it actually. Being in the bikini, I was a little I was a little self conscious in my figure. <laughs> I remember thinking the whole time I was naked, well half naked, almost naked. So yeah, no, I don't think it was one of those roles that I actually wanted everyone to watch. And uh, a lot of listeners might be surprised to find that uh, you are living in Australia now, mm. uh, and uh, you're also a, a singer, and you'll be doing a gig uh, that we'll give the details of at the end of the at the interview. But uh, you came to Australia to do Mission Impossible. 
That's right. To do the second season of Mission Impossible. That's right. And uh, that was a remake of a, a 1970s show. That's right. And what was... I, I mean, you really uh, had it tough because you had to live up to the hype of uh, the excitement that was that first show and uh, and all the cultural references that came from it and uh, and then trying to, to update it to, to now at the same time trying to make the Gold Coast look as much like London or yes. Rome <laughs> as possible. Prague, Paris, yes, I remember that. Uh, so, uh, mm, so, so mm, obviously... Uh, mm. Required some uh, some very important acting, but yes, the, uh, it did, it did, and lots of accents. Lots, yeah, lots. Mm. Of, I had to do lots of accents. Did you get to do the bit with the uh, the? the I, can't, I remember watching the show at the time, yeah. but I've, with the the masks and getting to pull the mask. No, off. that was Teo. He did the masks. So you never got to do anything. But of the I got mask. to sing and do lots of accents: Parisian, German, Russian, <laughs> Irish. I did all the accents. That was fun. So, yeah, because that, that also yeah. seems like a, a, you've just had a whole lot of fun roles, it seems to me. That was great. That was um, We shot that in, on the Gold Coast for three months, then we came to Melbourne, and we shot it in Melbourne for six months. And uh, every week I played a different character. It was it, so much fun. Is that also, I mean, did you just stay after that? I mean, how did you come to be in Australia? Well, this first season I went back to L.A., and then I came and shot six months, and then I met a man, yes, at a club. The, uh, I think the second week I was here. And here I am. You right? stayed for love. I stayed. That's fantastic. Yes, I know. See, Melbourne, <laughs> full of love. Yes, isn't that a funny one? They do one? say Melbourne, city of love. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's you, why. It's you Aussie boys. You're just gorgeous. <laughs> I love you all. I can't argue with that. Mm. Can I ask you though, with Mission Impossible, do you remember, I mean, is it the kind of role that, that it just, I presume it's a lot of fun, but do you find yourself going, look, there really isn't much to this. I don't know. Is it a challenge or is it just fun that it's kind of... Because presumably there's not much like in the way of story arc and character kind of development. Look, you know, here's the deal, okay? I went to Northwestern University. I was a theater major, and I started out doing seri- like theater. And then, you know, you're young, you don't have money, you're struggling, and suddenly you're like Miss Commercial. And I did like 100 commercials, and then suddenly it was soap operas, and then from there it went to nighttime. You don't, for some reason, I just went on this tractory, and I didn't think about stopping and doing kind of deep, soulful work. I was just making a living, and that was such a great thing, and I didn't want to be a starving actress. And I would say most of the television that I did, yeah, it didn't dig that deep. I didn't even realize it at the time. I was just having a good time, but something felt very unsatisfied while I did it, even though it was fun. It was a lot of fun, but I don't think it was ever a television that really demanded that much of you. You know, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It was hard work. It was really hard work. Mm -hmm. Long, long hours, hard work. But, um, yeah, I think I would agree with what you're saying. Do you know, of your TV, because it is a really Mm. impressive TV. Um, Are there pieces of your TV work that you would point to as going, that is is a role I really liked in that kind of way? Was it a more sort of satisfying... Look, you know, it was funny during all that, in the midst of all that, you know, I did Murder, She Wrote with Angela Lansbury and I, and I worked with Kim Novak on, on Falcon Crest and um, I did lots of, lots of, met lots of interesting people. But I really think that I, I didn't have a very big role, but I think working with Tony Richardson on a, um, with Peter Strauss on a TV movie was probably one of my better experiences because he was such a fine director and the script was so beautiful and I kind of got a taste of what it was like to work kind of, on that next level. Mm. But since I've been here, I think I've, um, I've done quite a bit of television here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think starting with Cluedo, 
that was probably uh, the I same wanna, sort of. I want to yeah. talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, 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 we Mrs. Actually, Peacock, and I was we, pregnant, and I looked like a plum. Let me tell you, <laughs> Jesus. Anyway. Actually, can I ask you then at this point, because we were, we were saying you, you've done quite a bit of work in Australia, um, particularly on shows like you know, Blue Healers and uh, Embassy. I was wondering, what, what's the experience like working on Australian television on that kind of, you know, the sort of ongoing, you know, not your big budget kind of miniseries, but your sort of everyday stuff, compared to, say, working on things like Murder, She Wrote? And, and what's, what's, is it just the difference between American production and Australian production? Is it just money? Or is there also, do you think, some sort of difference in the way... That, TV production is a Yeah, it, it's very different. I mean, I mean, it was actually such a shock to me when I first did Australian television. Boy. First of all, it's like, you know, a democracy. There's no hierarchy. You know what I mean? I mean, in, in America, when you do something, you know, the, the actors are sort of treated a little above everyone. You know, you have the trailers and the umbrellas when you walk out. And I mean, you kind of have this special feeling about yourself, do you know? I mean, here you, you're really part of the crew. I mean, actors are equal, it's, you know, as a part of the production. There's no sort of special treatment. And, um, and I didn't have, I remember when I did Cluedo, nobody had a, a dressing room or a trailer, nothing. We all dressed in the same room. Men, women, it was all kind of like behind the, the clothesline if you could find a little place to, to change. And that was all kind of a bit shocking to me, Really? really? Well, yeah, and um, and very quick. Everything's very quick because there's not a lot of money. So there's not a lot of time spent on lighting. So in America, you know they're going to spend hours on lighting, and you can learn your lines then. I, I often learnt my lines while they were lighting. So that was the other thing I had to learn, that you just can't learn your lines on the day because it's too quick. There's just no time. You have to learn the night before. And so when you first, was that um, a similar experience on Mission Impossible, or was that done in more of the American style? Totally American style. Mm-hmm. took hours to light I mean, it was long, long hours, uh, shot like a film, very much like a film, and very much wanting you to look fantastic, and the makeup took forever, and the way you looked in every shot was important, and the wardrobe was very costly, and you try on lots of things, and... No, very, very. It was very different. The switch. And you're saying Blue Healers isn't like that? Uh, no, actually, I, I, Blue Healers, I particularly struggled with, because I, I, I wasn't really used to the really fast pace. They, they really didn't like. I mean, the lighting took two seconds, and I actually probably underprepared because I didn't realize how incredibly quick it was. Well, well because uh, when were you on Blue Healers? Uh, a few years ago, actually. So, no. so it was right, right near the end of yeah. the of the run. Where and they, I have so much gotten respect. everything down to to clockwork. And yeah. they knew exactly what they needed to do and, and how they, they needed so to do it. And they were so good. The actors on it. I mean, how they did it. They could do it. Well, they were used to doing it. This, that's the whole thing about television. You can get out of the habit. Like, and I've been doing mostly theatre and cabaret now. So um, suddenly, I forget how to act on television. I'm too big suddenly again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to bring it right back, and mm-hmm. um, it's really just what you're used to doing. What was the role on Blue Healers? Do you remember? Yeah, I played some kind of country woman who um, had this old, older man, much older man as her lover, like a senator who died. And uh, like they wanted me to play it like I loved him. And I wanted to play it like I was just this money hungry woman who actually didn't love him. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was this little conflict of interest because I like playing characters that are a bit kind of, you know, devious. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it must be my, I don't know. <laughs> so I remember that I had to end up playing it the way that they wanted me to, and I had a really hard time crying over the loss of him, and they had to do the crystal tears on me <laughs> because I just, I just couldn't cry. Oh, I, don't, I just didn't love that guy, you know, sorry. <laughs> you know, it was really funny. But in the end, I, I hope they were happy with it, yeah. And in Australian shows, do you normally play American roles? Or no, do you in do that one, I sort of had, uh, you know, kind of a little bit of an Australian accent, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. What is an Australian accent? I mean, well, I, I have noticed in yeah. your accent that, that, that yeah. you know, the Australian sound is definitely coming through. Yeah, and I can it. very – all I have to do is lose the American and I sound okay. Mm-hmm. I don't try to be Australian. I just lose the American. Okay. Yeah. W- were you doing it then? Because that was extraordinary. Yes. That was yeah. pretty good. That's exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. what I, I just then was doing a little experiment was, for you. That was fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, let, let's stop people waiting. V. Okay. Yes. V. Here we come. Uh, I, I mean – the thing about V is, uh, well, it's it was in the time of event television. V, the miniseries, the original series, uh, was a, a huge event. People gathered around televisions to, like to watch it. Roots was then, remember it, it, that? Very much. Same yeah. sort of thing. Same yeah. Sort yeah. Of yeah. big yeah. event. Roots really started the whole yeah. thing. And uh, and then there were uh, then there were things like, like V and... Uh, it was the first time that there was a science fiction one, uh, and uh, and also such a, a huge social message mm. in, uh, in in big event television. Well, it was effectively actually. I might just just for the, the viewers, for the listeners sorry, who don't know the show, it was basically. Um, uh, hang on, hang on. For the listeners who don't know the show, <laughs> what the hell are you doing with your time? Exactly. But basically, aliens turn up. They offer us lovely things. They turn out to be big lizards. That's basically the, the, the plot point. Absolutely, big and, lizards. They are, and they enslave us all. And the thing was, I mean, it's so overtly yeah. a Nazi. And enslave us metaphor. mentally. It's not like you know, in a, in a strange kind of mental way, they enslave us. Well, well, I, I and they, they put all the all the scientists in concentration mm. camps, and you know scientists yes. speak with the Jews. And yeah, watching a bit of it um, in preparation for this, I hadn't seen it for years, and I was actually surprised how well it held up. I yes. mean, it's big in yeah. that big kind of you know epic miniseries, almost melodrama kind of yes. way. But it's quite clever that it involves a lot of people being co opted into helping the aliens and into right. the villains. There's a lot of kind yeah, of grey yeah. area people, the sort of that's right, yeah, the Hitler Youth equivalents and. But because you don't know who's been taken over and who hasn't. They're minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, uh, your role, which w- wasn't a huge role in no. V, but, but well, it's the but most remembered the, character. Yeah, the most yeah. remembered character yeah. and probably the most important role because it's uh, a scene with you that is the huge reveal of these these beings and not what we thought they were. That's right. Uh, with the uh, rat. Yeah. Yeah. Which it, it turns out was actually a, actually a, a hamster. Pig. Like a hamster, I, 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 a guinea yeah, pig. A hamster. Yeah, 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 I was shocked. Yeah. I remember it being a mouse yeah, or a rat yeah. and watched it back. And yeah, it was a huge hamster, though. Yeah. 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 Were you worried about being typecast as a woman who eats hamsters? <laughs> no, honey. I wasn't worried about any typecasting. I was just so happy to be working, and it was great. I just wanted to ask you, how do you, because you're watching it, it's, it's, melodrama's the wrong word for it, but it's, it's a big, you know, it's a big scale kind of production. How do you actually prepare for a character like that? I mean, because, I mean, do you look into Diana's backstory, or do you just go in... Yeah. No, totally no backstory. I mean, it was just all in the moment. You know, it's just basically Kenny directed me to the to a T. I'm sure a bit like, um, you know, I was thinking of Hitchcock. You know, I heard that he did that with his actors. He placed them, told them where to look, told them how to... You know, Kenny very much did that with me. He very much directed me where to look, my tone of voice. You know, it was very much an in-the-moment type of thing. And then it and then it started to engulf me, and I was able to just do Diana. In the series, I would walk on set strutting. I just thought, oh, I am Diana. 
Did yeah. you enjoy that? Did you enjoy it? I loved it. I felt so powerful. It was great. Because your role really grew yeah. in the series. Yeah, that's right. Uh, in, in, in the miniseries, you, you were there as... Uh, oh, Diana was there more as a, a device, mm. as that reveal device and as a manipulative device. Uh, and, uh, and and most of the, the story, as far as aliens go, it, so much of it revolved around uh, Robert England. Yes. Uh, and so this is the miniseries, you're saying? Or in, the in, series? The, in the miniseries. Right. As the, uh, the the bumbling alien. Yeah, it did actually. In the miniseries it did, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to think in the series. I don't think he was in the series, was he? I don't or? think so. But no. the, the, the idea of, uh, of him being an innocent part of this whole... Uh, that's the way I remember it anyway. He, he was really... He was really quite innocent. He just wanted to to help people and care for people, and you know, eat yes, that's eat right, rats. Uh, yeah, that's right. So he was a, one of the few good aliens, yes. wasn't yes. he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in the series, Diana became a much. Uh, am I right in thinking she became a much more prominent feature of the the series itself? Oh, totally. Well, we became. Yeah, it was very much. I felt like I was very much about me a lot of the series. <laughs> of course, I would feel that way. I was Diana. <laughs> you know. I was going to ask you, also, um, I, I was looking online and, and there was a lot of product at the time, wasn't there? I mean, this was a big, yeah, yeah. It was a big series. Yeah, there were dolls and there were comics and there were trading cards and posters. And I mean, I actually did David Letterman and on it I showed him the sort of the toys and the dolls, you know, the, with the heads that came off, like you'd squeeze their stomach and their heads would come off and, you know, and there'd be lizards underneath and all that. <laughs> yeah. And so how was, how was the reaction to you at, around that time? Um, kind of just out on the streets. Did you have to have an entourage and security people looking after you? Or I was, was you know, totally kind of recognised a lot then. It was, yeah. it was great. I mean, I'd have if I appeared somewhere, there'd be crowds and crowds of people, and yeah, it was definitely um, a very intense time. Mm. But you enjoyed this, I'm, I'm guessing, from the look on your face. This is not. I mean, you know what it is. Looking back, I think, wow, you know, wouldn't I kill for that now? You know, because just think all the people that would come to my concerts with no promotion at all. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean now when I feel like I really have a good product to sell. But at that time, you know, it was all like, you know, it was all freaky, you know, because it was in my 20s. It all happened so, like, out of nowhere. And I guess a lot of people say that. But, I, I, you know, for a role that I didn't really knew if it justified it or not, it just was bizarre. You know, it's bizarre how these things happen. Do you still have a fan base, though? Presumably there's still V fans. Unbel- it's so unbelievable. There's the Jane Badler Society, mm. which I, uh, yes, <laughs> a lot I, I found. Yes, it's a very big... And, and you know, I've just got... I've, been on, I've gone on Facebook recently. I, I've been on MySpace for my music, but recently I've gone on Facebook, and I just... The activity just astounds me. I just... You know, I could spend a lot of time on Facebook. I, I don't do anything. I just answer. Every day I get at least 10, so, 12, I love you, I love you, are you the real Jane, are you the real Diana? Young, good-looking men, <laughs> you know, from Brazil, from Argentina, from, you know, Ireland. It was just unbelievable. The young, hip people. We're not talking about, you know, oldies. Yeah. Is, is that an invitation to the Box Cutters listeners to, to friend you on Facebook? Yes. To, well, no, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, no, yes, yes, they're no. They're good people. They're, they're good <laughs> yes. people, the Box Cutters Yes, family. yes, I'm on Facebook, yes, yes. That's uh, th- th- yes. so. Uh, you're on Facebook. You've got a MySpace page. Yeah. Uh, you're uh, you're singing. You, you've done all this television. Is there anything you don't do, Shane Bedler? Yes, I'm not a very good cook. Oh, oh no. so no reality TV show coming up? You know, cooking with uh, Jane? No, I just it's a shame, isn't it? Because it's such a pleasurable experience eating. Do you know? Mm-hmm. But I just can't seem to give that to people. I try. <laughs> but it just never comes out right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I do. So, but yeah. for television, you know, that doesn't matter. 
No, no, television's okay. There's nothing I wouldn't do for television. I'm a real TV slut. Yes. And so that brings us to Falcon Crest. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Falcon Crest was not one of my better experiences, I have to tell you. Now, Fa- Falcon Crest again was—it was a huge show in mm. the states. Yes, it wasn't it? Wasn't that huge here? It, I think Channel Seven showed it on a Saturday night at about nine thirty, and uh, uh, and I think a lot of people got confused between Falcon Crest and Knots Landing. Yes. Excuse my ignorance, but Falcon Crest was a, a spinoff, was it from another? Was it one of the spinoffs from... No, no, that was Knott's Landing. Landing. But but Falcon Crest ran for 10 years. Didn't it run for years, like eight years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was was huge. It was huge. Huge in the States, huge. And I came into it sort of maybe halfway. And let me tell you, those actors, they all uh, were very into their, their stardom. Yeah, well, they mm, they were very. They were that was a. It wasn't a. a ha- it wasn't an easy place to stay. So it that's was, very difficult to enter into. It was that a sort very of difficult show to step into. Mm-hmm. Well, because that's that's the other thing as well mm. that strikes me about the, uh, the the American system versus the Australian system. So the American system is very standoffish, is very uh, segregated. Very. And uh, do, do you find that the Australian? I mean, this is a loaded question, but do, do you find that the Australian system is? Uh, more inclusive? You, oh, yes. I mean, I'm so much more inclusive just by the very fact that it's so hard to get work, that actors um, are just happy to do small roles, um, big ro- You know, there's it, just it's a big mix, isn't it, of um, why you take work on. I mean, you can't be a star here, really. I mean, if you're a star, you're pretty much overseas, aren't mm-hmm. you? It's very difficult to be a star in this country. Mm. Have you ever, I mean, thought about going back to the U.S.? Do you ever get that thing of going, there just isn't enough work you in know, Australia? Honestly, not until very recently. And, uh, and it's only now because there's a couple of opportunities that might be presenting themselves that I'm – and my kids are now older. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. hey, you know, even though I'm probably at an age where it's not that. But then, you know, more and more they're using more mature actresses in series, aren't they? You know? Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, that uh, V's being done again. Well, this yeah. is – there are two. Yeah. There are two stories here, and they're about two different versions of mm. V. So tell us, tell us what you know, Jane, because we've had conflicting things we've talked about. In well, the past it's of the show. very hard to get to the, the bottom of what's going on, but I can tell you one that Ken Johnson, who's the original creator, was trying for years and years to get the series going again, the second series called yeah, the, V: The Next Generation. There have been rumors, of, and he wrote a yes, book. and he wrote a book which um, I have, and um, which is very good. And, um, and, and that just never seemed to happen. Um, and so the series is being done, but, but not by him, which is really unbelievable, but it's being done by the people who have done Lost. So that's quite exciting because they uh, are going to be doing it sort of post-September 11th instead of post-Nazi. And they have a very contemporary vision on things, the people who did Lost and 4400. So this is uh, uh, Scott Peters. And Yes, and, and May. Something, J- something, I don't know, um, something... I've got their mm-hmm. email. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's to be a continuation or a, no, no, a new it's a totally new series. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a, a reimagining, a reimagining. It's sort of the same concept, but but many years later, taking place in it with a new generation of young, kind of sexy, you know, things. And so I kind of got myself into a palpitation when I heard about it. You know, my heart was saying, oh, yes, now's my chance. Oh, yes, L.A., L.A. And so I, I had not talked to my agent in 12 years, and I somehow found a number. And lo and behold, even though he was with a different agent, he still had that number on his desk. And he picked it up, and I went, Michael, it's Jane. And he just said, oh, my God, hi. And I said, I told him what was happening. He didn't even know. 
And I said, please call these people and ask if they're interested in meeting me. He said, oh, Jane, they won't be interested. My God, you're too old. They're going to want young, young, young. <laughs> I mean, boy, that's, that's called that's great. That's what you want for an agent. Yeah, I know. Agent. That's terrible. Could you imagine that agent? What a disgusting agent. I'm thinking, just that what you say? So that was a little depressing. And I said, just try, Michael. Just try, okay? So a week later, I didn't hear from him. I called again. He said, Jane, I haven't heard anything. So then I went ahead and I got in touch with my fan club president. <laughs> and I said, she, she just knows everyone. And I said, get me the email of, of their assistant. And she did. And I emailed their assistant. And I said, hi, I'm Jane Badler. I play Diana V. You know, and they said, great. How fantastic. Got it back to me immediately. was so excited to be talking to you. And this is fantastic. And I sent them some stuff. And... So we're kind of in touch now. So you're going to be having meetings with them? Is well, the you know, I hope so. That's what we kind of, you know, they, they seem to be excited about me. But and presumably you'd be playing a, a different character now. I imagine yeah, well, look, it you know, be. all I know is that their reception was wonderful. And then we've had back and forth. And I've said that I'm, I'll probably come to L.A. And, you know, so, so far it seems like it could be something. Yeah, that'd be great. You know, so, but who knows? You know, it's still kind of in that stage where nothing could happen. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you are... Because you've you've played another another character in another sci-fi series named Diana, uh, yes. in in the Resistance. Yeah, well, that was the pilot, and uh, yeah. uh, th- that was the pilot f- for the Resistance. Yeah, which, which they're still trying to get made into a series. And uh, so, so, how long ago was that, and, and what was that about? Oh, maybe four months ago. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a pilot, and it's a wonderful premise. I mean, it's not doesn't probably make that sound that original, actually, but it's just about these five extraordinary looking teenagers, and um, and they all have these incredible gifts, these kind of supernatural gifts, and uh, unbeknownst to their parents, they're sent away to this school for the gifted, where they're being trained to fight the baddies, you know, because they all have these incredible gifts. Nicholas Hope is sort of the head of the school, and I'm just you know a mom. You know, mom, and, you know, I'll, I'll do everything I can to sex up the mom because that's what I like to do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm so Diana the mom, you know? A, a, a mom who, who doesn't like her rich husband and... Uh, yeah, that's what I said <laughs> to them. And, and where's the I said, what about if I have a Island? sexual attraction yeah. to Nicholas Hope? You know, something has to go on here. And I have this bikini that I wear. Which yeah, exactly. I, I you know, they go, for... whoa. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, reinvent, you know? So, I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, but that's sort of in the works and there's lots of interest and I think that one could probably go. Uh what do you think about television that's being made now? Just as as a general as as a general rule, it's. A I think it's so exciting what's happening in America. I think there's just so much good television mm-hmm. that I, who never watches television, am getting sucked into it. Like I loved Damages, I loved The Sopranos, I I loved Californication. Now I don't as much mm-hmm. because it's gone ridiculous. This but the first year, I <laughs> loved Californication. And especially now with all that stuff that went on with David, you know, yeah. you know, it's you're kind of looking at like the reality of David. But um, I sound like I know him, but I don't. <laughs> yes. but, um, but I'm sure I'm sure the, the uh, president of your fan club could. Uh, get yes, you I'm in touch. sure she could get me a date with him. Yes, that would be nice. Which is because the president of my yes. fan club is useless. <laughs> <laughs> what really? is that? Yeah, she's terrible. Well, I'll give you the email of mine. Yeah, I want yours. Might be able to help you out That'd a bit there. That'd be great. Yes. So, um, what was I saying? <laughs> Sorry. Television. What else are Yeah, but television here. Well, I think I think thank goodness for um, you know that last one, the Gangland uh, Underbelly. Yeah, that was just like fabulous. Mm. Uh, finally, you know, excitement in television. I thought it was edgy, great acting, fantastic. But n- normally, I find Australian television very safe. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that's a problem. I very have. middle of the road. Yeah, and uh, and it you know it, I, I would love. For us to have a show that had a budget like uh, Supernatural, mm, uh, mm. where you know it's still 
kind of treading line of safe, but uh, gets to go a, a little bit over as well. And would be great. I mean, they do do that a bit on cable, don't they? I mean, with, I was going to say, I think yeah, it's partly also love my way and because the US generally though has so much cable, they can they can niche market. Whereas, mm. whereas you know, in Australia, I think there's always an attempt to make everything appeal to the broadest possible audience, which effectively means a soap opera. Everything somehow mm. becomes a soap mm. opera. Well, and and we only have 15 mm. people in the whole country. And we only have 15 yes. people in the whole country. So, you know, seven of them are in the show, seven are watching. Yeah. You know, there's one person left over to yes. hold the aerial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, they the do do off. that. But do, they don't seem to do that in America. They seem to try to educate them to... I mean, yes, they probably do have a lot of bad television, but somehow, you know, all those comedies. But I don't know. They seem to somehow also manage to do television on, on the main channels that takes people to the, you know, that are very popular. Like, what was the one Rachel Griffiths did? But that was... Six feet under. But that was cable, show. wasn't it? That was, ca- that was HBO. Cable. Yeah, that was yeah HBO. don't get me started on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, don't, no? Don't, don't listen to Joe. No, okay. No, don't listen to Joe. No. No. Jane, that's, uh, that, that's it. That's, mm. a, that's our time. Great. I, but I, you know, I still, I want to talk to you about Cluedo. I want to talk to you about... So many other things. Murder, she wrote. Murder, she wrote. Jake and the Fat Man. Jake and the Fat Man. Riptide. Yes, on and on again. <gasps> Riptide. Riptide was such a great yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, no, Let's get you good. back on another time, Jake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, come back. Everybody has to come see me at the Spiegel Tent Thursday night. Oh, yes, Spiegel do the, Tent. Do the plug, Josh. Sp- no, 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 no. That would be good. Spiegel yeah. Tent, December 11. Yes. Uh, Spiegel, Spiegel Tent in Melbourne, 9.30, December 11. Uh, tickets on sale now. And it's kind of sci-fi. David Lynchy, Pup Cabaret. Performing with her band, Sir. Well, actually performing with a band called Sir, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say. With, and, mm. and the name of the album, again, is The Devil Has My Double. Yes. Yes, there we go. Yeah. So you can buy that through Jane's MySpace page. Can That's right. That yes, you can. Yes, you can. Absolutely. Very exciting to have you here. Thank, Thank you very you much, so Jane. much. Thank you. Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly. And if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's Box Cutters. Get your ears into it. Sons of Anarchy is a show uh, that is on cable in the US. It's uh, a new show and it's, it's been uh, promoted as this is the new Sopranos. It's, it's, is it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what they're saying. It's, it's the new Sopranos uh, but with a biker gang instead of a mafia gang. And uh, that's, uh, th- that's really the way that, that, it was, uh, that it was being put out there. Right. I haven't seen any of the promotion, but right. that was actually the sense that I had. Right. Uh, I am going to leave it to the two of you, because I've only seen two episodes of it. Uh, and uh, I'll I reserve... think you can, you can join in, though. I, think <coughs> join. I want to hear Brett, though, because Brett brought this to us. You start, lovely Brett. I did. Uh, it's, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Well, that's the shortest review we've ever had in the show. Well, I disagree. <laughs> and John's halfway in between. So, that's Sons of Anarchy. Thanks for joining I, us. No, go it, it does revolve around the, uh, the goings-on with uh, the Sons of Anarchy Motorcycle Club and uh, specifically the Charming uh, branch thereof. Charming being a small yeah, California charming the town. town. Not, yes, not the Charming branch, but yes. The- um, that they essentially control. They're, they've got a, uh, a sheriff there that is completely uh, tied in with the club and, and they've got stuff over him and so they can't do anything. There's a new upstart uh, officer that comes into town that uh, actually wants to take them on. And then uh, the uh, Alcohol Tax and Firearms, ATF. Yep, comes into town uh, because they're they're trading in guns, um, and uh, it also um, follows the the 
what's that word I'm looking for? Uh, the the Spanish onion. Yes. Um, between uh, the Sons of Anarchy and uh, the other motorcycle clubs out there. Uh, so you've got the White Supremacist Club and you've got the Mexican Club, the Mayans. Um, and, uh, there's, and, and also there's within that, there's uh, the, the son of, of one of the founding members, Jax, has found a, a book I think a thesis. I'm not sure what it is. It's his dad a, just a, wrote a mem- memoir. A memoir in which his dad, it turns out, had completely different ideas for the group rather than gun running, and he's now obviously having second thoughts about what they do. And, yes, and and yeah. The show stars Peggy Bundy and uh, and <laughs> the guy who played the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. Ron Perlman. Can I say? And Ron Perlman, who was also in The Name of the Rose. Salvatore. Yes. And, uh, and I cannot watch... City of Lost Children as well. Yes, I cannot watch Salvatore as a, a gang leader. Like, it just doesn't... I've got to say, Ron Perlman doesn't look freaky anymore. Unless I've just got used to Ron he, Perlman. He it's taken bit, me 20 years. I and think you've just gotten used to maybe him. I have. But I've got the for him up. to go, oh, look at your Ron Perlman. You look like a big cat anymore. He's <laughs> also <laughs> been uh, Hellboy recently. I've been Hellboy. And yeah, you look a bit like a human now. And I thought that was nice for him. But um, I mean, that was that was one of the, the tenorous moments, I think, of The Name of the Rose. Him singing as he's being burnt at the stake. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, Ron Perlman, a fantastic actor. Uh, Kata Segal, really talented. Uh, so they, they do have some, some great names and some good talent behind it uh it was created by uh one of the guys who worked on the shield kurt sutter kurt sutter who worked regularly on on the shield uh and yeah that's uh still brett you go on because i'm reserving what i have to say um you liked it i want to know why you liked it yeah i, I must admit because i i yeah I'll, I'll get to mine in a minute which is more just slight bewilderment but yeah what what did you like about it what did well, you the, the whole relationship and 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 jacks who is the son of of the the founder or one of the co-founders who's now dead um is is essentially the the central character to it and and it's about how he kind of has to play off with the motorcycle club so he's vice president of the the chapter um but he's also got these other ideas from his father about how how they don't have to deal in violence and crime um to actually be a successful club and he's found himself in the position of being a father as well he is, uh, with, I can't... Drea Di Matteo. I can't think of a soprano's name. <laughs> uh, oh, no. See, now that you've said that, I've lost it as well. Um, uh, but, yes, Drea, Drea Di Matteo uh, plays his uh, junkie ex, uh, who uh, was pregnant with his child, uh, overdoses, they uh, induce labour, and the child is born. So he finds himself in the position of having to take care of a child while also discovering his father. It's so touching. Well, the child's in, in uh, intensive care in the hospital because it's uh, premature. And um, Drew DiMatteo shows up in the first two or three episodes and uh, there's there's some friction between uh, she and Jax's mother, Katie Seagal. Um, but then she just disappears. It's not clear exactly what happened to her through the story there. Oh, maybe there was a Joey reunion. <laughs> maybe. So this is the, and that's only like half the subplots I think we've covered so far. But I... I I, I've got to admit, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of you know, mafia I mean, things. I don't, I don't watch The Sopranos, but I know it's a good show. A lot of people like it. And this was so much The Sopranos from the motorcycle gang. Except that... Oh, it's, I, it's very different. I think that, I think that this, the, the really central thing about this series um, is that the women are really, are really the decision makers. See, this is weird because I was going to go the other way. The I actually, Even I, though it's like really masculine and it's all about crime and, and the women don't take the any part in that. The women are presented in this. I actually came away wondering it's, if the writers had ever met any women. because It's, it's, just, it's Lady Macbeth. 
Well, it is. I mean, apparently the whole thing's based on Hamlet. It's actually meant to be based on Hamlet, which is kind of bizarre, the whole oh, show. That kind, of, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, talk, he talks to the ghost of his father through the journal. But, and, and, but, I mean, but the mother is obviously Lady Macbeth at the same time. But what got me was that, and I'm, I wish I'd looked this up, so there's a term um, that we've used before. and it, it basically, Misogyny. No, no, it was invented <laughs> to basically talk about how um, it's rare for a show to have more than one female character. Basically, if a show has two women who can talk to each other about something that's other than a man, it passes this test, and so few shows do. And this one is like, you can take the women out of this show, and it makes no difference whatsoever. The men will, will do everything they're already doing. No, you take no the way. men out of this show, there's no show. I, and, I, and I was so unconvinced by these women, and especially the, the, the episode where um, the mother, she wanders into his room, and she goes, smells like old socks and pussy in here. And I thought, A, who are you talking to? And B, who would say that? That's weird. It's such a weird... And I found that the dialogue but she's generally... A, she's a biker's mall. I know, but generally I found the dialogue was... I had this problem. I wasn't sure if the dialogue was brilliant in that it was really boring people saying stuff they thought was cool, <laughs> but patently wasn't. Or whether it was just really bad dialogue. And I found it quite bogany. I didn't care about these people. I kind of wanted the cop to catch them all and put them away. That, I and think that's, that's the so big thing, is that there's, there's no one to care well, about. And I, kind of, I kind of wondered, that's why I was wondering who the audience was. And I eventually had a bit, I thought, I wonder if it's like how, you know how like cooking shows, people watching cooking shows aren't going to cook. You watch cooking shows so you can sit there with your instant noodles and pretend. You, know, you watch porn so you don't have to bother having sex. And I thought maybe <laughs> you watch Sons of Anarchy because you have a nine to five job you know, in a bank. And you think, I want to be a badass. I want to be the one in the leathers who goes out there and, and kicks people around and sells guns, you know. And I, I don't know. I was wondering if that's, if it's a, but it's, is uh, it an escape? I mean, what, what, what did you get from it, Brett? Please let me know. Well, well that's, that's certainly not me um, that, that has a boring existence. Because you are a badass. <laughs> you are. Well, he's, no, a badass. I'm, I'm, he's wearing his leathers right now. I'm, <laughs> not a, I'm, I'm not a badass, but I, I find the 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 tension in the conflict is is what gets me in there um and uh, there's there's another sub story involving one of the doctors at the hospital who had been involved with Jackson and has come back to town um that that uh, keeps me tuning in I find Jax was an odd character because the show goes out of its way to tell us he's charismatic and he's Loved by all these women and people are falling over themselves to be dear him and, and have sex with. The first couple of episodes, there's quite a few. There's, in in, that, in that second in the, episode where he tries to get his friend laid so that he can get a, a, a yes, he dead tries, body tries to convince and, a woman to have sex with someone she's not interested in in order to get the thing that they need, and she then has sex with him. In the first episode, um, the woman in the, the shop gives him a basically lets him take this book for free and stuff. And I don't know, it, it kind of goes out of way to tell us he's this charismatic figure without actually There's less of that that goes on. And, and which, is, which comes down to why we have to have the Magic 3 for, for any mm-hmm. reviews, because the, the first couple of episodes, the first one's the pilot, the second one has to do all the, the exposition, and then the third one, it can actually be really, I mean, I didn't hate the show by any means, but it was just that thing, I found it quite hard slog, because I, I just didn't know why I was watching it. Like, I, at no point could I work out what, what is meant to grab me. So, so yeah, I mean, you were grabbed by the characters, presumably, or you, you like the structure of the... The characters, the, the, the politics of having the sheriff in their pocket, but the, the new copy in uh, the politics bet- between the, the bi-head clubs um, and uh, some of the kind of setups and, and the developments that come out of all that. I, uh, um, but also, also kind of Jack's kind of seeing this other way and wanting to take the club that way, but... Like really having a lot of resistance because all the all the other guys in the club aren't 
are just so accustomed to being violent and criminals. See, and, and I found all of that really kind of obvious and stories that we've seen a lot before, but better told. I found it a bit kiddy. I think it was the thing too. It's always like, oh, he's upset me. I'm going to slap him back. And like, there's a, a scene where, where someone's cut them off in traffic, so they try to attack him and and then... I think he tries to shoot someone and someone gets an axe on the head. I can't remember. <laughs> but it was just that thing of, of just going, none of this needed to happen oh, at in, all. In the in the in the convenience store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um spoiler, sorry, someone gets an axe on the head. Um but it was just that thing of, I just wasn't those sort of scenes and I'm going But that was kind of a situation that he walked into not meaning to go into that situation. But they but and they, they run in going, He's the guy control. that cut us off, let's go in and you're going does it matter? Like, does it really... I guess that's also, like, mafia stories do the same thing. It's always about the honour and the pride and whatever. And, the yeah. and they're going, I just don't care. But they're, they're, just, they're just so... such. They seem like such low-rate gangsters to me that, uh, you know, they're really just doing things... It's like they're playing gangster. Uh, whereas if you compare it to The Sopranos or you compare it to uh, the gangsters in The Wire... Uh, where this is their life, and this is what they're this is what they're doing, and this is the way they they live their life, and the characters are so strong in those that you can empathise with uh, the way they've chosen to to live their life. But uh, in this, I just I just can't. You know, there's this this one character who has tried to get out uh, of the life, but he's just too. Uh, stupid and lazy to to be able to to actually do it. Or so that's my understanding. Uh, so the one that's just come out of prison. Yeah, uh, I, oh, um, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think I know. But the uh, but but the thing is that that they're just so. Uh, it's it's just I, I don't know. It's just it, it's just like they're really trying to be badasses, but uh, at the end of the day. Uh, they just want to go home and uh, and and watch TV like everybody else. One thing I did think was interesting, and, and unfortunately I, I I didn't see a lot of this, but I like the fact that one of the the members actually has emphysema. He's an older guy, and he's got a like an a oxygen breathing tank. oxygen tank. Yeah. And um, there's a thing about Ron Perlman's character uh, now has arthritis in the fingers and, and has some issues. And I kind of like that the idea of this this aging motorcycle gang the idea that you know the, they, they came for a thing which is all about being youth and, and carefree and young forever and what happens if you actually don't stay young forever you know mm. these people mm. but that's that's unfortunately not something the show's not interested in so the only thing I was interested but in but again was, Sopranos in the first series did that so yeah, much better again, yeah and uh, and you know there's there's all that stuff about do you ever feel like uh, you came in at something at, at the end and uh, and uh, Jackie April. Uh, dying of cancer so early on, and uh, and all that stuff, all that uh, mortality and getting older, it's been done before, and it's been done better. That's I think that's why I just went, oh, oh they're trying so hard, but then obviously there's a, there's an opportunity there for for people to get into it. I mean, Brett, you said to me it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. I uh, did not get an opportunity to watch the the third episode. But I couldn't see from the first two episodes how they could write themselves out of I what say, I saw I, as a whole. I did go to the AV Club and read in their um, the TV Club section on the avclub.com. They had covered the first, I think, two episodes. And most of the comments were along basically what I was feeling as well, going, I just don't see what the connection is. They then didn't cover it until episode six. And then from episode six onwards, they were going, this show's really turned around. And it seems to have found fans. So I'm... Um, 
Yeah, I, I kind of get the Brett rule of three, but somehow I just cannot force myself to watch any more of this show. I just can't see... Yeah, I can't yeah, see it happening. Yeah. Which, uh, I mean, it, it, it may be for you guys uh, a little like my situation with Mad Men last year. Yeah, because you didn't, you didn't like Mad Men. No, I just and, found uh, it too slow and, and couldn't persist through beyond three episodes. It's different strokes for different folks. That's Sons of Anarchy. You can find it on uh, Channel BitTorrent or, I'm sure, Showtime uh, or Showcase uh, are going to get it eventually. Something with show in it. Something with show. Read it. You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. Letters. What? I, I, I want to say before. Um, I, did you? I, hey, I could did, be wrong. Did you realize? Yeah. Uh, we had Jane Badler in the uh, in the. She film. was grand. Did you notice that? Can I just say she was in here? She was talking to us and she like to we us were real stuff. people. I know. Mission Impossible, 1960 series. Am I am I wrong? Yeah, 1960s, and I said yeah. 1970s. You said 70s, and yeah. I just wanted to because I know there'll be angry people at home now. You know, that'll it be is, on the blooper reel for the were, DVD. Yeah, for they'll, the they'll, be, they'll be carving out messages. I'm so embarrassed. It, it was 19, at, at the time. I was thinking as well. How come I said 1970s when I knew that there were 20 years between the uh, between the series? But uh, you know. I'm a fool. Apparently I didn't, I didn't want to make you look bad. I just no. wanted to stop people from writing angry emails. No, because, thank you, you know. very much. I'm a fool. We've had enough of the angry emails. That's, uh, <laughs> that's fine. Hey, we got a, a letter from uh, Darren Boxcutter, who said it was our turn to try a very difficult quiz. Now, so this was a quiz. Here's something you can't Wikipedia. Yeah, this, this was a quiz <laughs> that he gave... To us, to answer. Which is great. Which is great. Am I wrong? Was it written in a slightly narky kind of manner? Uh, yeah, he says, uh, Hi, Box Cutters. It's about time a listener gave you an opportunity to see what it's like to try one of your sound competitions. So listen to the sound file I've attached, and if you can guess the title of the show, you win a crumpler. See a text picture. I call this Crumpler Daily at Dawn. Uh, because it's just a crumpled up cover of the Herald Sun. <laughs> Which I liked. I thought yeah. that was good. I think from now on we should start giving away crumpled bags. Yeah, in the weeks we don't have prices. Oh, just Because <laughs> we could just pick them up on the street. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. So this is the audio file that uh, Darren sent through. Quite jaunty, isn't it? Yes. Jaunty was the exact word I was thinking. Was it? Was it? It's lovely. If it was a hat, I would wear it at a rakish angle. Oh, nice. Yeah. The, uh... Now, to say, when it first started, at, at the very start of it, I thought, it's on the buses. And Did then, you? the slide whistle comes in. I just went, cat weasel. Oh, you've given it away. I was going to let people at home have a think about it. But oh, no. no. you've just ruined it. It was our competition. It yeah. was a competition for us to answer. And uh, I might put out, I won. Yeah. Yes. yes. John you won. get the he, crumpled. Uh, I got the crumpled. Down the dog. Although, um, I've been told apparently they're out of stock and I have to wait for it to come back in. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know, try to stump us. Really, try to stump us. Uh, that, that was a, a really good try, but... Uh, Cat Weasel, one of my favourite shows from, uh, from my childhood, so uh, sorry. Well, that explains the goatee that... Uh, Video podcast enjoyers there is, there is, uh, uh, will understand now. Yeah. There is yeah. no video podcast. We got uh, and another the electricery. The electricity. Yes, yes. We we got another letter in uh, from uh, Chad. 
Hello, Chad. Actual Chad or fake Chad? Just a Chad. I think it's. Oh, you know what? I can't. I, I can't tell them apart. They both sound alike. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, Similar handwriting. Hi, guys. So, John, and this is based on something you said last week, John. Last week, I did mention, yes, that uh, there'd been some footage of me when I came back from overseas on uh, a George and Ingus magazine program being vox popped about Doctor Who when I was 14. And I said, luckily, I was wearing a gas mask so no one could recognize me. (laughs) Hi, guys. So, John, you and Doctor Who and a gas mask equals sound of something clicking in my brainial nodes. Is this you? And then there's a picture from uh, the... I'm thinking it's the West Australian. Must be the West Australian. Is my guess. Strangely uh, crumpled as well. Alien stalks streets is the headline. And there's a, a young uh, child who's about 14 years old in a gas mask with a ray gun and wearing some kind of... It looks shiny like silver shiny suit. silver suit. It was the late 80s is what everyone was wearing at the time. <laughs> Either that or one white glove and a red You didn't jacket. have a go at Jane Badler for wearing a bikini, but no, I'm wearing a silver suit and a gas mask. It's something <laughs> you, she pulled it off so much better, though. <laughs> you leave me alone with my Jane Badler in a bikini. Thank you very much. Uh, the, uh, the the quotes on the... Uh, the, the at the bottom of... You know, I'm going to put this up on the... Uh, do, do you mind, John? <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. Do you mind? It's fine. Surprise shoppers in Hay Street Mall came face-to-face... Sorry, face-to-mask with Doctor Who. It's... Were you supposed to be Doctor Who? No, in a gas no. Mask? It was actually we were, we were promoting. There was a, there was. Oh God, I'm such a geek. There was a, there was a convention happening at the time. We went out to promote it in just whatever we could find. Effectively, we, any any World War Two leftovers. It's a, it was actually my granddad's. Oh. Oddly enough, that actually is a genuine World War Two gas mask that my grandfather wore. He was a priest, and a so suit. as you can imagine, he he needed to wear a gas mask a lot. Yeah. Um, well, there's all those incense and stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the silver suit and the ray gun. He was an odd priest. <laughs> But I tell you, no one in Papua New Guinea went near him. <laughs> and so, who, who later unmasked himself to reveal Perth Doctor Who fan, John Richards. Yeah, I don't think of myself as Melbourne Doctor Who fan now. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. So, it's, uh, we'll put that up on the, uh, on, on the blog. Uh, we still have no explanation though from Chad. Where the hell did you get this? I don't have a copy of this. Why do you have pictures of me, Chad? It's, it's amazing. It's like it? a single white female thing going on. Chad, did are, you ever see it? Are did you a West Australian archivist? It, it, it rings a bell. I must have been looking at it. I, I'm, I'm sure I must have seen this article before, but I don't quite know what it's from. Do you remember uh, which Doctor Who convention you were? Uh... Which Doctor? I, I'm, I'm guessing it was called WhoCon 4. It was WhoCon 4. Was it? Yes. Was it? Do I win a crumpler? <laughs> <laughs> yes. He, here you go. I'll put it with my other one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so thank you very much. You can send your letters to Boxcutters to hooray at boxcutters.net or you can also text us 0458-CUTTER. Oh, Anon sent us a message as well saying he loved us. We love you too, Anon. Yeah, Anon, we love you too. Yes, although uh, after, we, uh, after su- a certain somebody's we... detective work, yes. less Anon to us, but you'll remain Anon on the show. <laughs> hey, um, when I cast my pod... It's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Brett, quick, quick. This is... Uh, what are we going to call this uh, segment? Is Brett's special moments. Brett's special moments. My special moments? Uh... TiVo apparently uh, isn't uh, doing that well uh, on their local 
crippled version. They've only sold 14,000 units uh, <laughs> I since think you going to say 14. <laughs> <laughs> since it's uh, launched with the advertising blitz over the Olympics. Um, and I'm just looking for my news. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah! Ah! Admits no, it! I'm looking for my document. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, they're, they're kind of doing a bit of a relaunch uh, of it. Relaunching the TiVo. Um, including... This is snappy. This is so snappy, Brett. <laughs> I want to end the show. Including... And you're just giving... On TiVo news. Including making it available uh, for a charge of thirty seven fifty eight a month, which would, over the life of the contract, add up to $1,352 That still doesn't TiVo make any sense. Deck. That still is no number that makes any sense. Hang on. What, how much? What? One thousand three hundred and fifty-two. If you're paying monthly for uh, the new charge, uh, why structure. would you? Why would you pay monthly when you can have Freeview, which is nothing, <laughs> and, and, and also well, comes in a box. So you yeah, have to, apparently you have to buy the branded box for Freeview. R- but then there's no ongoing charge. Doesn't have the badge on it for then. the nothing that they're giving you. They're giving you nothing with Freeview. Uh, it's, is my understanding. You do get it's the just... reanimate corpse of Bruce Gimble. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> this is television. <laughs> oh, Bruce Gimble. So, TiVo, uh, we told you so. And, uh, of course, uh, a spokesman from the uh, Foxtel network came out and said, uh, that's just subscription television. It's the same as us. Why aren't we as popular? <laughs> do they do that voice? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly how it's transcribed in the uh, no, newspaper article. Right. Yep. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 100 and Jane Badler! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're thrilled, aren't you? You're I really, really am. I really am. Could you tell? I was, I was quite a little bit starstruck. I mean, really? Jane Badler. Uh, episode 160, I want to say thanks very much to Jane Badler for coming into the show. You can catch her in Melbourne at the Spiegel Tent on December 11. The Spiegel Tent. Spiegel Tent. That's and the, uh, is it the famous Spiegel Tent? It's, it's, the, it's a famous Spiegel Tent, I believe. They're, they're, they're playing on the the. There's, there's a number of uh, different Spiegel Tents. But they're all and the one that famous. comes to Melbourne They're is, all famous, Brett. They're all no, famous. No, no, they're not all famous. They're all famous. The one, was the, the one that was in Northcote uh, late last year was actually the Melbourne Spiegel Tent. Yes, I believe it's actually a different Spiegel Tent to the last year's Spiegel Tent, but I'm, I'm both unofficial. I, uh, I I like the, uh, the the mirror canopy. Mm-hmm. I, I often go to the mirror canopy. That's nice. And sometimes I go to the uh, reflective annex. <laughs> <laughs> but the Spiegel tent is good too. And I believe there's a link to Jane's website somewhere on the page you're uh, possibly yes. looking at now. And yes. a link to uh, buy tickets. And, the and show. a link to buy tickets for, and, for the show. And uh, apparently tickets are selling like hotcakes, um, which... No, they're, they're selling better than hotcakes because hotcakes uh, don't sell that well these days. I want to open a hotcake store so people can tell me, how, how are they selling it? I can say, very well indeed. <laughs> <laughs> also, thanks very much to Crumpler who give us stuff to give away to you, the listeners, and our guests. Bless their little hearts. You can find them at crumpler.com.au. And 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world. Give us their studios to record this podcast each and every week. You can yes, find them on the web at rrr.org.au. And if you are, are watching the video podcast, no you would have seen the, the special uh, look of, uh, of delights when on, we gave on Jane Jane's face. her uh, crumpler little yeah. digit thingy. If there was, if there was, she was so excited to get a, a, a little prize. Bag. It's great. Mm. It's great. Uh, until next week. I want to say we're going to miss you, Richard. 
My name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week, same bad time, same bad channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. <laughs>